0: This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. So I've been reading this book uh, this week. Uh, I was sharing with um, Brother Moore earlier in the week. I've been reading this book called Going Back to Being an Acts 2 Church. And what an Acts 2 church looks like. And, and what the church today has to do in order to be an Acts 2 type church. And the story tells about a pastor in Mobile, Alabama, who wanted so bad for his church to grow that he spent thousands and thousands of dollars over the course of years to go to every church conference known to mankind to replicate what they were doing, bring it back to his church, and see it. Work Right. And so he would go to all these church conferences, which I want to make mention real quick before the wrong impression is made. I, I, I go to these conferences as well and I like them and I like being a part of them, but going to a church conference shouldn't be a solution to all the problems that we have in our local church. It should be just the power of God speaking into us and breathing in us new life and revelation that we can come and preach with more of a boldness within our pulpits. But he went going to replicate what these other churches were doing so that it would work in his church. And what he found out was that he would go, he would buy these notebooks, and he'd buy the books, and he'd buy the CDs, and he'd buy the tapes, and he'd come back and he'd listen, and he'd implement it for a year, and then it wouldn't go the way that he wanted it to go, and then before long, the notebooks would be on his shelf collecting dust, just to go back to another conference the next year and repeat the process all over again. And now we all know that doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, is a word we call insanity. Insanity. It is insane for us to think that we can do the same things over and over and over expecting a different result. So what I want to do this morning is I want to bring to you from the word of God a new, fresh Word that we all probably already know. But what it is intended to do is to not to bring revelation to your soul, but to ignite your soul to bring forth something that maybe we had a long time ago. Maybe it's been dormant for quite some time. And it's what we need to do to be again an Acts 2 church. So what I do is I want to answer this question. What does a church that has an Acts um, 2 type of um, 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 uh, a Acts 2 of faith What does it look like In a local church So Acts 2 Verse number 1 When the day of Pentecost came They were all together in one place And suddenly Say that word right there Say suddenly That means at an instant It happened There was no waiting there was no, hey, let's all join together. We're waiting for the party begins. begin. So let's go ahead and sit down and eat our food and, you know, be merry and all that stuff. And then it's going to happen when it happens. No, they were all together in one place. And as soon as they came, it says suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Where they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them so what i want to do today again is i want to share something it isn't new i simply want to build your um, faith i want to encourage you i want to let you know that that suddenly moment that they experienced in that Acts 2 church is the same suddenly moment that can happen today and in your life and in whatever situation that you may face. A suddenly moment. But what does it take to have that suddenly moment, there's a mindset that I believe is into the church, not just our church, but the church as a whole, and not just the church of God, but the Baptist, the assembly of God, every single church, this thought process has crept into the church, and it is a cancer, and it's simply this thought, I want to believe in God, but so many things have happened in my life, I just can't. I want to trust God, but because of everything that's going on around me, I'm not sure that I can. I want to believe that there's an answer to to this problem that we face, but I just don't know that I can do it because of everything that I've gone through. You see, the outline of church growth is not in a church conference year in and year out. It was written down in Acts chapter 2. And what the church has to do to see this supernatural suddenly moment that we all want and desire. All we have to do is go back and look at what the Word of God says. Because ultimately, He has answered every question we'll ever face inside this book. There's a um, a video that I watched. It's of the um, General Overseer of the Church of God, Bishop Tim Hill, and um, Bishop Doug Small. He's kind of over all of the prayer... The prayer ministry within the church, excuse me, and um, he made a comment about the very first general assembly. He went back to all the records and he went back to the very first one. And what he found, he said, was something very interesting. They put in forth that day, the Church of God made a motion for two things that every church should have if they want to see this Acts 2 moment happen in not only their church, but in their home. And this is what they said. Every church needs a prayer meeting, and every home should have an altar. Every church should have a prayer meeting, and every home should have an altar. Now, I wish I could write that in bold letters and put it everywhere that I know because I believe it to be true. Because listen, to have this Acts 2 type faith, to have this Acts 2 type suddenly moment, sometimes the strength of our um, faith is dependent upon the consistency of our prayer. That's why, no matter why it, it was put in the very first assembly, That every church should have two things, a consistent prayer service and every home should have an altar. Because they knew that if my prayer life was consistent, then my um, faith would be strong. But when my prayer life is not as consistent as what it should be, then my faith seems to, to be weary when times get tough. When things around me don't look like the way that I want them to, and when things happen to me that I don't quite understand, and I question God why He did it, when all these things come at me, and I want to get down and I want to get upset, and I want to get sometimes, let's be honest, we get mad at God. And what, what, what He's trying to tell us is that if you want that suddenly moment where, that, um, where, 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 where what you have inside your heart is a faith that cannot be broken, it requires a consistent, prayer life. Now I've talked to people who say God doesn't exist. Well, that's dumb for lack of a better word. How can you look around you? How can you go to the zoo and to the aquarium and walk down the mall and ride in a car and look out at the birds in the air and the animals on the ground? How can you look at all these things that really don't have much explanation and say there is no God? I've talked to some people that says, why should I pray? What is this thing called faith? What's the point of it? And most people who believe that have had a crisis at some point in their life where they were hurt, where they got upset, and they were disappointed in God, and they just said, I want to believe, but I just can't. And more times than not, it's because they prayed and didn't see immediate result. Because for some reason, elementary faith says that God has to fulfill my wish list. And elementary faith says that I should be able to go to God at any point in my life and say, God, I need this, and expect it to be done. That is an elementary level faith. That's not what that means. Faith is not a set of wish list items that we go to God with and say, God, I need you to answer. If we want the suddenly moment then we have to be in that place where God it's not about me it's about you it's a not it's not about my will it's about your will now does that mean that he won't answer my wishless items no it doesn't mean that because there's times that he will but only when it when it falls in place within the calling that God has on your life at that place and at that moment may, 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 um, Megan and I when we go to sleep We love to binge watch TV shows. It's our only only time that we get to sit down and just rest and just relax when all the kids are asleep. And I love it. We have this Hulu TV thing. And where at any point, I can go through the channels and I can select any show, I can select any movie, I can select any series, and on demand, I have it right there, right then, and I can just watch it, we can enjoy our evening, sleep well, wake up the next morning, and repeat the process all over again. It's so nice to have this, because we live in what they call an on-demand generation. Look at it. Just 20 years ago, the technology has grown drastically. Just 20 years ago, we didn't have the things that we have today. The only way that you could contact somebody is to call their landline. There wasn't emails that you could go to. There wasn't a cell phone that you could carry in your pocket. And now it's not just a cell phone. You are carrying with you a walking TV. Where at any moment you can pull out and you can watch a show or a game right on your phone. It's a on-demand generation. We are expecting it right now, but God doesn't work like that. On-demand God is great until on-demand God doesn't do what you ask Him to do on demand. A very common thought I hear over and over again in conversations I have with people as a pastor is, I want to believe in God, but I prayed that he would get rid of my cancer. I prayed that he would heal my marriage. I prayed and he didn't do exactly what I wanted him to do. So either he's not real, he's not there, he's not good, or he just doesn't care. And I'm telling you, on-demand God does not exist. What we have to do is make sure we understand where we fit in the whole narrative of this larger picture, the grand story of God, this creation. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this main point of this entire message is this, to have a suddenly moment, we have to understand that God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. And I want to say it again because I want you to get it because our highest calling in life is not for God to serve me. This, the highest calling that I have on this earth is so that I can serve the master. We have to recognize that if you read your Bible, we're not the main characters of the Bible. We are ace now. Do we have a part? Absolutely. We have a part. Do we have a place? Absolutely. We have a place. Do we have purpose? Absolutely. We have um, that, but we are not the main characters. Acts 2 happened not because the people did something. Acts 2 happened because God promised something. We've got to understand this. There is nothing that the disciples did to earn this suddenly moment. There is nothing that they did to say, I deserve the Holy Spirit to come upon me. There is nothing that they did to merit the supernatural power that God bestowed upon them. But here's what it is. God promised that it would happen. And we can go back to Acts chapter 1. And we can see this in in, um, verse 6 where it says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? What did he say? He said to them, it's not for you to know the time. Or date the um, a father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. Let me tell you something. Did he ever give him a timeline? No. Did he ever promise them anything more than what they got? No, he simply said, it is not for you to know why I do what I do. It's not for you to know when I do what I do. It's not even for you to know why I do what I do. I just do because I am. And I am the Lord. I am God. And I can do it because I love you. So, it goes on to verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the skies. He was going when suddenly again, here we see the word. Two men dressed in white stood beside the men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? As if they didn't believe what the Lord had just told them. He was just with them. And then now he's gone and they're like, I mean, but let's be real though. Could you imagine being there? uh, just just think about it for just a moment. I come to you, Asif, and I say, right now I'm here, but you're going to turn around and this magic trick's going to happen. You're going to turn back around and poof, I'm gone. Right? And so the Lord is standing there with, with all these people and he's saying that I am about to go. And then all of a sudden he's gone and they're looking like, where did he go? He just told you where he was going. You see, to have that suddenly moment, there has to come a time in our life where we have to believe what God said. There comes a time where I've got to stop worrying about the same thing over and over when God's already given me confidence that it's going to happen. I cannot go into a situation after God has told me that He's going to come through and continue to doubt Him. These disciples had just heard that he was leaving, and then all of a sudden, these angels, these two men, look these to they were um, addressed in white, and they say, This same Jesus, the same Jesus, almost to say that guy that was just with you, the same one who has been taken from you into heaven. Now, here's the promise will come back in the same way. You have seen him go. There's the promise. So, Acts two, verse one, and they were all together in one place. And then, verse two. This promise that was just made in chapter 1 is about to come to pass. And it says, suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. It was almost the the pre-effects that's leading you up to the main event. I'm getting your emotions ready for what's about to happen. It's almost like in that movie where you know what's about to come. You know what's about to happen. And then all of a sudden the music starts playing in the background, right? And the trees begin to start blowing. And the wind is... And you see the stars start sparkling. It's all the pre-effects to, to, to kind of get you in the mood and ready for what the Lord's about to do so they're all together in one place and suddenly a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the house you see that suddenly moment came to them because they believed what the Lord told them they had a level of, um, of their faith that matched their level of expectancy now Pastor, break that down for me. Okay. If I believe God can but don't expect that he will, do I think it's going to happen for me? You see, I can't. You've got to have more than just believing that God can. There has to be an expectancy that he will. Your level of faith has to match your level of expectancy. And so this sudden Acts 2 movement, it requires a level of expectancy that outweighs the burden that the world can bring you. And Acts 2 type faith requires an action over complacency. And Acts 2 faith requires obedience beyond understanding. I don't have to know why God does what He does, and I don't even have to know when. All I have to know is that God is sovereign and He's in control, and when I submit my life to Him, I've got to be be okay with whatever God does. When a suddenly happens, an overflow takes place. Now, I'm a dad, a young dad. And when my children come to me and say, daddy, the water is overflowing, it's usually not a good thing. The toilet has overflowed, or the sink has overflowed, or something has happened. Aiden, just yesterday, Megan and I are watching college football. Bless God, it's back. And so I sat and watched it all day long. And I'm sitting in my room watching. I forgot what game it was. Maybe it was the Oklahoma game. I can't remember. And Aiden, from the other side of the house, screams, Dad, the water's overflowing. Dad, the water's coming out. Dad, Dad, Dad! Oh Lord! So Megan gets this um, fear that just comes over her. Like, what are we going to have to clean up now? He's sitting there screaming, "Dad, the water's coming out of the bathroom! The water's coming out of the bathroom!" So my my first instinct was, well, the, he's flushed the toilet or something, and it's overflowing. No, that young whatever I can call him right here behind the pulpit put bottles of water outside the bathroom trying to trick me that water was coming out. And so Megan just busts down to the ground, dying laughing because he just pulled a prank on on us that we weren't expecting. Nine-year-old Aiden sets up bottles of water all through the bathroom, says, look, Daddy, the water's coming out. Son, that's not too funny (laughs) because you gave me a heart attack. Usually an overflow isn't a good thing, but child of God, can I tell you an overflow of his spirit is exactly what we need. An overflow of the presence of God is everything that we need. Rivers of living water, right? It's what the Bible says. A suddenly moment takes place and his overflow takes place. And when that happens, you begin to see the miracle signs and wonders that take place in your life. And it's a difference. So how does this overflow come? It's a difference in loving God because of what he does for me and loving God because of who he is. Did you get that? I don't just love God because of what he does for me. I love God because of what he's done in me. You see, there's a couple things that I want you to know about the heart of God. and I'm going to go through these. Lord, I'm running out of time. I still got nine pages left. I'm, no, I don't. I, I only have eight. God's heart is always loving. God's heart is always loving. Did you hear that? His heart is always loving. For example, for those of you that are parents, and whether your parents are young or your parents are old, you've gotten to a place in your life where you always loved your children. That doesn't mean you always like them, right? There are times where they're like, I just want you to get what I'm trying to teach you. But you always love them. But the second truth I know about a parent is, even though you have the willpower to do exactly what it is that they're asking for, doesn't always mean you're going to do it at that time and at that place. See, Aiden can come to me and say, Dad, I want a snack. And that kid eats more snacks than I've ever seen in my life, but he loves them. And he come to me, he says, Dad, I want a snack. Well, son, you can't have a snack. But, Dad, we have snacks in the, in the cabinet. All I got to do is, no, son, you're not going to have a snack. Well, why, Dad? You don't have to know why. I just said no snack. Well, Dad, why? Well, it's because we got lunch coming up. We've got a dinner um, um, coming up. You've got to eat that. There is no snack. You see, just because I have the power to do it doesn't mean that I'm going to do it. Or when he comes to me and says, Dad, help me with my homework. No, son, I can't help you with the homework. Well, why? Because I've asked you to do it all day long, and now it's at 10 o'clock at night, so now you're on your own to do it because I'm not going to stay up all night long and do your homework. Well, Dad, you've got to help me, son. I can help you, but I'm not going to. And it's not because I love you any less. It's because I'm trying to teach you something. And see, in the same way God does that to us, we take this wish list items to Him and expect Him to do it, and He says, Hannah, I'm not going to do it. Not, not yet. Well, why, God? It's all I've ever wanted. You're right, it's all you've ever wanted, but is it what I want for you? You see, you don't understand what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't understand what's going to happen ten years from now. So just because God doesn't answer your wish list doesn't mean He loves you any less. It just means there's something else that He's got in store. You see, sometimes I'm trying to develop something in you rather than doing something for you. We need to understand that God doesn't always do exactly what we want. Romans chapter 8. How do we know that this is true and that he can still love us? Because Romans chapter chapter 8 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? shall trouble or hardship or persecution or nakedness or danger or sword let, let, let me put this into words we understand shall unemployment shall relational breakdowns shall cancer shall covid shall racial tension shall the political climate separate from how much you love us no the next verse says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons nor present nor your tomorrow nor any powers neither height or depth nor anything else in all creation will separate you from the love of God so just because he doesn't answer your prayer tomorrow doesn't mean he loves you any less because there's absolutely nothing you can do to separate how much he loves you he doesn't prove his love by what he does he proved it when he sent his son Number two We know that God's heart Is always loving Number two His ways are always higher You know Acts chapter 1 The reason why he left Acts chapter 1 The way he did Is because he knew that Acts chapter 2 was coming And I want to unpack this Because as a pastor Just pray, give me some time today. As a pastor, I've had people sit in my office and I've had people call me. And they've said, Pastor, explain why this is happening to me. Explain why I'm going through this. And Katie, did you know that there's many a times where I've had to look at them and say, I don't know. Because there's some things that I can't answer. And it'd be wrong of me to even put myself in a position where I was trying to define the mind of God. Because I don't know why children can sometimes be born crippled. I don't know why some people have cancer and some people don't. I don't know why some people live in abusive homes and some people don't. I don't understand all of that. All I know is that the Bible tells me, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways." Declares the Lord, "As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." Sometimes I just have to understand that ultimately God has a plan for my life, and He's taking me through something to teach me something. Yes, He's taking me through something to build my um, my my um, faith. Yes, He's taking me through something to build the character that I have. Yes, He's taking me through something because it's not that. He loves me any less. It's because he loves me so much. There are so many things that are above my pay grade that it'd be wrong of me to ask God, why did you do it? I take comfort to recognize that God is wiser than me. Here's the one that I've heard probably a thousand times Pastor, explain to me if God is so loving, why did he allow COVID? What do you want me to say? Maybe because he wants to take you to a place where the only thing you can do is depend on him. Maybe because he wants you to to take you to a place because your trust has lacked and he wants you to trust him more. Maybe he's taking you to that place where you've had to understand that everything you've been doing for years on years that hasn't worked. Remember the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. That the church that I put together in Acts chapter 2 isn't how the church looks now. So I'm going to bring something about so the church can realize that they're doing something wrong. Now, this is where it gets really quiet because it's where we have to look in the mirror and say, God, what am I doing wrong? What have I done that has caused us to get to the place where I am? And I'm telling you, the reason why he brought it, I believe it with all my heart, is because there's a wake-up call that's coming to his church and saying, there's something that you're not doing that you're you're supposed to be doing, so I'm going to put a pause on everything that you know to be true so I can get you back to being the Acts 2 church that I wanted you to be the whole time. And here's the thing. Some of you might be going through something right now. You might be going through it next week. You might be going through it next year. And you hate it. I hate it. We hate it. I don't understand. How do you respond when things go south? God, I don't understand. I don't have to understand. But your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I can't see tomorrow. But God, the same one who made my yesterday good is the one that went before me in my tomorrow and made it good. So God, I'm going to trust you in my yesterday. I'm going to trust you in my today. And I'm going to trust you in my tomorrow. And whatever I've got to do to get there, God, just use me and let me host the very presence of God so that I can please you. Number three, God's heart is always loving. His ways are always higher. And God's presence is always enough. And there's some of you in here that have been through it. That have walked this life and you can attest to it because of the stories that you know. The testimonies that you know that God is good that he has been great that he's never let you down you've got testimony and stories that you can share that his presence has always been enough for you where on the other side of the coin there's the young christian that doesn't quite understand that and he doesn't know why he's going that's why we need each other That's why they were all together in one place when the suddenly moment took um, place because they needed everybody there. We need every background. We need every ethnicity. We need every um, testimony. We need everything so that you can help them and they can help you and we can help each other and we can do this thing called life. And when they were all together in one place suddenly... A sound like the blowing of violent wind came. There's a man in the Bible named King um, David. He's the the storyline, the main character of this thought, will God take care of me when things look rough? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and staff, you comfort me. Even though I walk, the Bible says, through the place where I could die in a heartbeat. Even though I walk through the place where there is no nourishment. Even though there's robbers and people on the attack. Even though I walk through the darkest point of my life. Even though I live in a world where COVID exists. I will fear no evil. Well, how did he get to that place where he could fear no evil? Because he knew that you are with me. That your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Acts chapter 2 even talks about David. Watch this. Acts chapter 2 verse number 25. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because what? He is at my right hand. He said because of everything that I've gone through. Because of every situation in my past. It says I will not be shaken. How does that suddenly moment take place in your home? It's no matter what life looks like, the hand of God is on me and I will not be shaken. When things get hard, I will not lose faith in God. It goes on. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. And you fill me with joy in your presence. This is Acts chapter 2. It's the part that we don't read. Because we just like to read about the blowing of a violent wind coming. And the tongues of fire sat and rested on all of them. And they all began to hear their own language. And there was a group of people that thought that they were drunk. And Peter stood up and said, no, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. We like to read that part. But to have that suddenly moment, to have that suddenly moment, we cannot forget that it is in his presence where I find joy. That it's in his presence where I find rest. He goes on, this says Israelites, I can tell you confidently. That the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him. You don't miss that. His suddenly came because God said it and he believed. Moving down just a little to verse number um, 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Now you've got people that were super spiritual. They were up in this room shouting with uh, tongues of joy and they were speaking in other, other tongues. And what shall we do, Peter? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. And for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Was this written yesterday? It almost sounds like it was. Listen to the words. Acts 2 is just as true today as it was then. Save yourself from the corrupt generation. Watch what it said. First church growth conference ever recorded in the history of the world, Acts chapter 2. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It's not rocket science. You want a move of God? Obey. You want a move of God? Host his presence. You want a move of God? Come together in one place. I'll just move on. No, I won't. COVID has created its issues, right? And it's created good things. And I've said it once, but I'm going to say it again because somebody needs to hear it. And I get when people can't be here, okay? I get it. Life happens. Things happen. But just because we have an online presence doesn't give us an excuse to just stay home because we're tired. Now let me preach for just a minute. Having an online presence is not a get-out-of-jail free card just because we don't feel like it they were all together in one place when the suddenly moment happened pre-covid post-covid it doesn't matter the church is still alive And the Bible is very clear, Seth, when it says that where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Which meaning that God has intended from the very beginning, pre-COVID and post-COVID, that there would be relationship among the people. And it's hard to be in relationship with one another when one's at home and one is here. No, get to the church house. Get into the presence of God and some of you might be upset with me and mad at me for saying it. And I'm at that place where it doesn't bother me any. Anymore because we have to be in the presence of God. Get to the church house. Get in the presence. If you want your suddenly moment, am I saying that God can't do it at your home? No, He can do it anywhere He wants to. But I'm telling you, there has to be a sacrifice that takes place. There has to be a one step in the right direction because He's going to meet you right where you are. We get that. But what are we sacrificing? I'm sacrificing my time to be in the presence of an almighty God. I'll move on. His presence is always enough. So, what does a church, if you guys would come? So, what does a church that has an Acts 2 faith look like? When things get hard, they don't quit. When they don't understand, they don't lose faith. When things may take a turn for the worse, they don't lose hope. They trust God not because of what he does for us, but love him simply because of who he is and what he's done in us. When we do those things, that suddenly moment can happen for you, just as it happened in Acts chapter two. With all eyes closed, all heads bowed, nobody looking around. You might reflect and pray over everything that's been discussed today. And as you do that, you say, Pastor, you spoke directly to me. I need a suddenly. I need a suddenly. I need that moment where there's no other explanation than it was you. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why God's putting me through this. But I will not lose hope in God. I will not lose trust in God. And when things get rough around me, I am dedicating my life today to be consistent in my prayer life. so you may be hurting this morning you may be lost, confused and if it's you today and says pastor I need a suddenly moment would you raise your hand